Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Back to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday, July 19th when you're listening to this. My name is Jake Luke. I'm a writer with Baltimore Beatdown and your host. And we are a man down this week, but I am joined by one of our hosts, Spencer Schultz. What's going on, bro? How are we doing out there, everybody? I want you guys to know that Jake just pulled together such a good radio voice. He's a little under the weather. And right before he was like, oh, my God, I'm so congested. Five seconds later, how are we doing out there, everybody? This is Jake Luke. <laughs> well, honestly, I think it brings like a nice low gravel to my voice. I'm like, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of nighttime like jazz host somewhere in like New York. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of oh, bring, bringing just in that the, smooth, smooth jazz, baby. Yes. Smooth jazz, Jake Luke. Smooth vibes all the way. I'm feeling like crap right now. But uh, I think my my voice here at least gives people some joy. So maybe that's a little bit of a comfort. But yeah, I'm powering through it. I'm playing hurt. Been off work the last uh, few days, but I'm going to go ahead and get through this. Hopefully get back at it tomorrow and uh, beat this thing. There we go, buddy. That's the right attitude. All right, jumping right in. This week, we are going to start with our mailbag. We got some excellent questions coming in. Um, The first one is, will Chris Board or Kenny Young take the second inside linebacker spot? That was asked by Grant H2. Um, I believe personally that it's going to be kind of the same deal as last season where Peanut and Kenny Young kind of rotated situationally, getting a fresh guy in there. Linebackers tend to get beat up. I'm going to be honest, though. I of all of the Ravens players that probably will see the field a decent bit in 2019. Chris Board is my unknown. I have no idea what this guy's going to do. I saw him in preseason. I know very little about him. I'm not that studied up on his film. I don't know how you feel, Jake. At this point in time, he's the the spring hype guy, you know, like this happens, you know, every year, every couple of years where there's a guy who's turning heads 
in the practices, and you know that's a good thing, and it catches the eye of the local media who start to write them about them a little bit. So it's nice to see them get their shine. But until they put some real tape out there, there's nothing we can really know about them. So at this point, I would say Kenny Young, and um, it wouldn't be yeah, like you said, it wouldn't surprise me at some point to see them sort of work a rotation in. But I think uh, Kenny Young's going to be the guy next to Owasso there for the moment. But uh, yeah, I could see Chris Board getting into the mix. But uh, yeah, we'll need to see it first in uh, preseason. Yeah, absolutely. If Chris Board could come in and just come downhill and take on guards and tackles and centers and shed blocks, that is what they need. Kenny Young is a great, great cover linebacker. I think he's going to continue to ascend that way. And Owasu also has great speed, great quickness, and he's a little better in coverage than he is uh, coming down as the mic from what I saw last year. I'm sure he'll improve a little, but we'll see. It looks like they've got some uh, rotational guys for the moment. The next question coming in is from Mike Simonella nine, um, which players will surprise us and which players will let us down on each side of the ball. So on offense and defense, if you want to try to give us one guy each, Jake, Hmm. In terms, okay, so let us down, I would probably say Mark Ingram. I don't necessarily think from an actual play standpoint, but I think if people are expecting him to come in and go for like 13, 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a rotation than that, including some of the young running backs they've got and Lamar running the ball as well. So I think he is going to be your bell cow back and that's going to show up on film, but maybe not necessarily in the numbers. Um, in terms of who's going to surprise us on offense, I think going back to the running back room that Justice Hill is going to get in the mix earlier than people think. Uh, I really loved him in college, and I think uh, they're probably going to wait a little bit to get him into the mix, but once they do, he's going to bring a different element to this offense. Absolutely. I could see Justice Hill playing a key part. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you on Ingram. I think that Ingram will lead the team in carries, but I think that he's going to be consistently getting you know, 12, 15, 17 touches 70, 80, maybe 100 yards, and he is a great goal line back, so I can agree with that one. Um, my offensive guys, the one that I think is going to surprise us this season is Hayden Hurst. I think that his expectations last year coming off the Liz Frank injury, um, people were like, oh, why are we drafting this 30-year-old pit baseball player, you know, whatever you want to say about him. The dude's got hands like glue. He definitely gained so much weight in the offseason, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. And that tight end room is outstanding. Greg Roman loves his tight ends. And this is the best tight end room in the NFL. I think he's really going to be a uh, stalwart on the offensive side and surprise people. Then someone who's going to let us down. Um, I'm going to go with, I don't know if you can even say it, but again, putting it out there, Matt Skura. Uh, I think he starts the season, but I don't think he's going to be able to man it up. We're expecting him to get a little bit better. I just don't think he has it in him, and I don't see him starting in the second half of the season. Um, what do you feel defensively, Jake? What are your guys? Defensively, I think my guy for a letdown would probably be Jimmy Smith, and maybe that's kind of too easy of a pick because he's getting older. His contract's a little bit onerous, um, so if he doesn't play up to that um, and you know, you know, know, his play dips a little bit I, I think there could be a little bit of consternation with the fan base and there's already a ton of speculation that he's not going to be around in the long term anyway which really wouldn't surprise anyone so he'd probably be my pick there I think on defense I'm going to go back to Kenny Young I think the guy has the range like you said very speedy I think if he can learn a little bit of coverage and also learn to take on tacklers in a little bit stronger of a fashion which naturally usually comes with a second year jump I think he's going to be pro- proved to be a very good middle linebacker there next to Owasso. 
Yeah, there was actually a good bit of snaps I saw last year where Kenny Young was manned up on a slot receiver, not a tight end or a back, and jumped some routes. The ball didn't come his way too often, but he looked really great in coverage. I can uh, get on with that one. Um, Tim Williams is my guy. I loved what he did at Alabama. I think he's going to be in the surprise us category. He is unsuspectingly good against the run. He has this incredible first step quickness and he has struggled disengaging from blocks. If he's been doing karate this off season, working on his hands and can get off, I think he's going to be able to get 10 sacks and be a really valuable piece for the Ravens pass rush. Um, someone who will let us down I'm going to go with Pernell McPhee. The guy is aged. He has been a bull in a China shop. He has taken a beating because of the brand of football that he plays. And with all these younger guys coming in, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to hold up that well. But what he's going to be able to do in the film room and on the practice field in the locker room will be valuable. But on the field, he might not uh, be up to snuff necessarily. Um, that was a fun one. Thanks for asking that one, Mike. The next one is coming from Clayton 23011. And he said, is Lamar's accuracy worrisome? If so, will it improve? Um, I think that Lamar is underrated as a passer. He came in, he had a lot of really horrible throws, but not a lot of interceptable passes uh, against the Raiders. He threw one very terrible pass into like quadruple coverage. That was his second start, I believe. And that was really bad. There was one against the Panthers, I think, where he had a bootleg and uh, tried to flick it to Willie Sneed. And the ball sailed short. I think with a full offseason, his accuracy is going to be just fine. And according to player profiler, he had a higher, quote unquote, accuracy rating than Darnold, Josh Allen and Josh Rosen and was tied with Baker Mayfield, actually, and had less interceptable passes uh, and a less interceptable pass percentage than any of those guys. Uh, player profilers run by Roto World. I really like those guys. How do you feel about Lamar's accuracy, Jake? I would say, yes, it's a little bit concerning, but I'd also couch that with the fact that the further we get away from last season, the worse he seems to get to people, which is a little bit weird to me. I don't think he was as bad or as inaccurate as some people seem to suggest. Maybe the numbers don't bear that out. Maybe the tape doesn't bear that out, but it's just how I feel. And we're not talking about Josh Rosen here. I mean, the guy can move around. I don't think you necessarily need him to be a guy that's going to stand back there and complete 70% of his passes. He's going to run around a little bit. He's going to make some plays a la Russell Wilson where he's scrambling behind the line of scrimmage and he's going to have guys wide open as a result of that. So I don't think you need him to be this 70, 70% or even 65% passer in order to be a successful quarterback that can win double-digit games. So on the surface, yes, it's a little bit concerning. You want him to be around that 60% benchmark. That's a number they keep mentioning. Um, but yeah, even if he doesn't necessarily hit that, I, I wouldn't be too concerned if the other areas, areas of his game continue to grow and the offense proves to be effective. Right, and I think that Lamar's... Where he really needed to improve, I think I've said it a couple of times before, he said there's that one quote that got reiterated and kind of reverberated throughout the offseason that he said, I was lazy on a lot of throws that were easy. And that means screens. The guy was terrible on screens. If he just brings it every single throw, the same motion, that's what he's been working on. That's going to improve and open up a lot on the outside. Um, and I think the most underrated part of what Lamar does as a passer is move within the pocket stay in a clean pocket and get the ball out cleanly. He had a better clean passer or a clean pocket passer rating than every other quarterback uh, except Mayfield again from last year's draft class. So I think he'll be able to surprise people a lot considering the media narrative. 
Um, and then moving along to our second to last question, we got Adam Jones, 357. Uh, same name as the former Orioles. Great. Killing it on the D-backs right now. Shout out. Uh, this is this is yeah, at a Jones, baby. This is kind of the burning question right now, especially as rookies are reporting to training camp. There's actually some news on this today. Uh, will Hollywood Brown be ready for the start of camp? If not, how detrimental is that to the team? Uh, how do you feel about that, Jake? Little spoiler alert. I talk about it um, in my one big thought that we're going to get to at the end. But uh, I think I don't know if he's going to be ready for training camp. But I think a few weeks in is the uh, sweet spot that you're looking at there, because I think if he is ready for the start of training camp, I think they're going to play it safe with him and hold him out a few weeks because they do not want another Perryman situation on their hands. That's just bad PR waiting to happen. So this is a guy they're very excited about. He's going to be a key element to the offense and they're going to need him out there come the regular season. I, I think we're going to see him a little bit in that third preseason game where the you know dress rehearsal kind of takes place. You shut him down for that fourth week. So that's about halfway through training camp. And then he comes back for the beginning of the regular season. But uh, other than that, I have no idea, man. Like, that's the thing with these things. It's just hard to tell because we don't we're not privy to the kind of access where we would know the guy's medicals or anything like that, nor should we be. So at this point, it's just a wait and see game. But uh, in my gut, I, I do feel that he'll be back halfway through training camp or thereabouts. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Jake and I don't have our stethoscopes or our white coats on, so we're not exactly sure where he's at. Uh, if that is your one big thought, we'll save it a little bit for that. So, Adam, great question. We're kind of going to come back to it if that's Jake's one big thought. Um, the final question comes from Matt Mott, 52, and he asks, who is going to make the cut at cornerback following the preseason and who will not? How do you feel about that, Jake? I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit before. I'm sure we have, and we're definitely going to talk about it in the AFC North uh, cornerbacks groups that we're going to be doing later. But I think they're probably going to go off the top of my head six. I think you got the four main guys there in Carr, Smith, Young, and Humphrey. And then after that, you have uh, Averett and um, Iman Marshall. And I don't think I predicted Cyrus Jones making the team uh, as the return man back when we did our 53-man roster prediction. So, right. yeah, I'm probably going to go with those main six at the moment. Yeah, I see Maurice Kennedy not making it, and Cyrus Jones isn't going to get snaps at corner, let's be honest here. If he does make the team, they're so deep. I think another factor is that, or is it, excuse me, Deshaun Elliott can play nickel corner um, and probably outside corner. The guy's got great he has experience at Texas doing that. He's an incredible athlete. Um, and Earl Thomas is probably going to play some man, a little bit of corner as well. Jefferson can move around. Levine can move around. So because they have so much depth between safety and corner, um, I don't think they need to carry that many guys. And we've got studs coming up and guys at the end of their contract. But that's all for the mailbag. Excellent questions this week, guys. Really appreciate it. It's always fun. Um, we'll be getting a lot more deep into mailbag in the coming weeks. Um, and then moving on, Jake. Let's do our segments. And uh, yeah, like he said, before we do that, thanks for writing in. Continue to do so when we pump those out and continue to give us reviews and stuff on iTunes. Give us a rating uh, that really helps us uh, moving forward as far as our numbers and everything like that. So, yeah, really appreciate everyone listening and we love the engagement. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Yep. So jumping into segments, we have the AFC North uh, rating series continuing this week. We have cornerbacks. And uh, we'll start this one off with you, buddy. Who is your number one team as far as cornerbacks in this division? I think we both know, but go ahead. Right. I almost wanted to not say the Ravens just because who wouldn't say the Ravens? Because uh, you're a hipster. Even, I mean, yeah, but yeah, continue. Even the like media is hyping up the Ravens DB group. And I got in a little, you guys know, I love to be a little active on Twitter, get into it with people always back by some stats, baby. Um, but so like I said on Twitter, 
the Ravens seem to be kind of modeling after the 2013-ish, 2012-ish Seahawks that went on that good run of being a serious Super Bowl contender, playing in two Super Bowls, and then Greg Roman's 49ers offensively. And I think that this defensive back group honestly has the potential to be better than that group because of how deep they are. Um, the, I mean, of course, the Seahawks were kind of... Uh, incredible at safety with Earl Thomas, who he poached and cam chancellor, but I'm going to run through some numbers really quickly. Marlon Humphrey, uh, last season let up 34 receptions on 78 targets, which was 43% catch rate. Number one in the NFL, 13 pass breakups. Number three in the NFL, he let up a 68.6 passer rating, uh, when targeted, that is number four in the NFL. These numbers are all according to player profiler again. Um, and then the most outstanding part to me, is that his man who he covered the most throughout the course of the game, they list it. Antonio Brown uh, had the second best performance last year, which was six receptions on 13 targets for 66 yards. Then Antonio Callaway in week 17 burnt him once, which is getting two yards of separation on a target. That was his only time allowing that the entire season. And he had five receptions for 103 yards. There was a stretch last year where Marlon Humphrey's man did not catch or excuse me, did not gain more than 40 yards over a nine week period. That is crazy. The man wasn't targeted 12 times. He was targeted 78 times. Unbelievable out of him. Um, Jimmy Smith didn't have that great of a year last year. He let up an 80, well, according to his standards, he had an 82.8 passer rating allowed. Whereas in 2017, it was 58.2, which was second in the NFL. He was coming off of an injury and a suspension and all this. I think he's got something to prove and he wants to be part of a legendary group. And then Brandon Carr might be the most underrated corner from 2018 last year. 54% catch rate, 50 receptions allowed at a 92 and let up a 71.9 passer rating when targeted. And that's just, the three basically outside corners. I mean, they will play some slot with Brandon Carr or Marlon Humphrey a little, but those guys are outstanding and that's not even addressing the depth behind them. So obviously Ravens number one. Yep. It's pretty obvious. Humphrey still manages to fly under the radar as one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Thanks to the small market, but yeah, beyond him, plenty of guys that are established starters, plenty of depth and it's a no brainer. I mean, nobody can accuse us of homerism because it, it is pretty obvious here. The top end talent, the depth stretching way back. I mean, you have those four guys that we already mentioned and those two young guys who are fourth round picks that are promising. I, I think, you know, we're going to see those six on this roster this year. And uh, I think they're all going to do a pretty damn good job. Seeing where they're going to be able to blitz from this year and the different looks they're going to be able to give with different guys should be outstanding. Um, so we're really excited about that, as all Ravens fans should be. And the last thought on that is that the Ravens play a lot of press man. You're not going to see a lot of interceptions out of press man corners. Press man corner wants to stay as close to his man. And you're kind of like it's like guarding a guy in basketball who's off ball cutting. You're trying to stay on him, your eyes on him, as opposed to reading the quarterback. They don't play as much zone. Zone allows for more interceptions. So uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, who's your number two team here, Jake? I had the fighting Brownies, Cleveland Browns. They're placing highly again on one of my lists. I think they could be seen at the top here if they keep adding talent. Uh, you got Denzel Ward, who's a star. Going to need to stay healthy, but yeah, still a star, I think, in the making. Greedy Williams joins the mix. I think he's going to be a starter from day one. And then you got some uh, good depth guys like Philip Gaines and Terrence Mitchell back there as well. Yeah, they've got the uh, the slot corner, TJ Carey. I'm actually going to go Bengals yeah, I forgot at about number him. two, though. Um the Bengals have Drake Kirkpatrick, William Jackson, and Darquez Denard. 
And Darquez Denard was not burnt once. He was the NFL leader last season. Um, William Jackson kind of had a little bit of an off year, but I think he's one of the better and especially more underrated corners in football. In 2017, he allowed 26 receptions on 65 targets, which was number one in the NFL at 40% catch rate and had 10 pass breakups. I think their defense kind of just was a mess last year. And I think that he's looking to rebound. And then Drake Kirkpatrick last year had the number four catch rate allowed uh, tied with a couple guys at 52.4%. Um, I think their safeties are going to have a lot to do with them being a successful group. However, their front seven is going to make them play from behind a lot. Uh, so it's probably going to be a little bit more difficult, but I do think those guys are the second most talented group. Um, so who did you have at number three? Yeah. So I do kind of like the talent there in since you're some of the top end guys, but I like the Steelers depth a little bit more. So I had them three, uh, Joe Hayden, Mike Hilton, Steven Nelson. And I did like Justin Lane this year in the draft in the third round. I think that comprises a pretty solid group. No superstars, but uh, I think the depth gives them a little bit of the edge over Cincy, who I like the guy. Some of the guys you mentioned, like William Jackson, but I don't think I've seen it from Drake Kirkpatrick or Denard as much recently, at least when they're healthy. Yeah, I feel you for sure. Um, I'm going to go with the Browns at number three. Denzel Ward was targeted a ton last year. Uh, 98 targets and he brought in 52 balls, let up 634 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, Four of those touchdowns came in the first month of the season. Uh, His catch rate was fifth in the NFL allowed at 53.1%. He's an outstanding corner. I think he has the potential to be a top five corner. Absolutely. This season. I don't think greedy Williams is going to be a good fit scheme wise for them. Um, greedy is an outstanding man press corner. He would do really well in the Ravens scheme. The Browns play a ton of zone coverage and he doesn't have much experience in that. So I think there's a little going to be a little bit of a learning curve behind that. They've got TJ Carey and Karen Terrence Mitchell, uh, who will probably be taking most of the snaps. TJ Carey is a solid nickel corner. Uh, Terrence Mitchell is coming from the chiefs, I believe, and they got torched last year. So it's kind of difficult. They're playing in some high scoring affairs. Um, I just don't like them quite as much as the Bengals. And then, so that means that you have the Bengals coming in last, I believe Jake. Uh, yes. I, so I had them at four. Um, I don't hate what they have. Like I said, you know, they've got some talent there with Kirkpatrick, especially with a William Jackson, who we both like and a Denard is still there. But yeah, I think I, I have the issues there with the health I don't see the plan there. Like I've said multiple times with them, I just think it's kind of a bunch of disparate pieces kind of together on a team that I don't think is really going to work very well this season. And I think despite some of the talent that they have there, and uh, maybe they'll round into form at some point down the road, but I think this season it's going to be rough for them yet again. So yeah, I had them at four. I, I agree. I, th- I just think that their situation is going to make them look worse than this group actually is talent-wise. Yeah, no I doubt. Said. Like That's kind of what I mean there. With the, like, I just don't see the plan with Zach Taylor and whoever's coordinating, the, coordinating their D. I just, you know, I don't get it. Right. Well, it, it's definitely uh, TBD, but the Browns are coming in under the radar, or excuse me, the Bengals coming in under the radar. Maybe they're able to surprise people. We'll see. Never count them out, but they're not looking so hot. Um, then I've got the Steelers coming in last. Uh I just don't I think this might be the biggest Achilles heel of any position group in the AFC North. Um, They have Joe Hayden and they signed Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson was actually the number one most targeted corner in the NFL last year playing for the Chiefs. He didn't fare terribly. Um, He defended against 570 routes, playing 90 percent of snaps for them. One hundred and twenty six balls came his way. He actually held up a little bit better. Uh, than you would think he let up 850 yards and 70 catches, uh, 55% 
catch rate allowed was actually 15th in the NFL. So he wasn't as bad as some of his numbers might look. And then Joe Hayden was okay, but Joe Hayden's just aging. And I saw him get burnt quite a few times last year. Um, kind of like a middle of the road guy at this point. Uh, so we'll see. I just don't think they have enough depth. Justin Lane was really good last year. Uh, at Michigan State, as you said, I believe I saw that he didn't let up a 20 yard reception all year, which is very impressive. Uh, then Artie Burns has been a huge disappointment. They have Mike Hilton. I just don't think if they're playing a top level receiver that you have a man that can go out there and cover DeAndre Hopkins or cover Michael Thomas or Julio Jones. Um, so I don't think they have a guy that's capable of sticking with a true number one. And for that, I think they're going to get absolutely torched. They don't have great safety support behind them. So I don't think that's going to pan out so well, but that's my opinion. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah. It's a lot of rotational guys. Like I said, it's not a ton to necessarily get excited about as far as name, but, uh, in the fact that I think a lot of them are solid, at least starting level guys, I do like Mike Hilton a lot, and I didn't mind Steven Nelson as a rotational guy last season. I think I trust the Steelers and where they're at a lot more to figure it out than I do uh, where the Bengals and where they're at. They do. The Steelers do have a lot of chemistry on defense. They saw a, big, a huge chain uh, turnover, pardon me, on offense. But defensively, they're trotting out most of the same guys. Uh, they picked up Steven Nelson and Justin Lane. Then their front seven's pretty much intact with the addition of Devin Bush. That should help a lot. And on the back end, they've got the same safeties. Communication is so key defensively that maybe they're able to do a little better than I'm projecting, but we'll see. So book's not written yet. We're not even to preseason. Yeah, there's a plan and there's coherence, which I value. But uh, yeah, a little, little bit of dis- disagreement there, which is uh, not a bad thing. Actually, it uh, drives the uh, conversation forward a little bit. Speaking of doing br- so, we what's up? I was just going to say embrace debate, baby. Yeah, exactly. Embrace the debate. That's a great slogan to live by. Um, Worked very well for a lot of people for many years. Uh, But moving on, we have our week seven preview. So this is the week that we're going to be traveling or the Ravens rather are going to be traveling to the clink to take on the Seattle Seahawks up there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Let's let's tee us off here, buddy. What are your opening thoughts on this game? This is obviously the number one headline. I'm sure this is going to get a ton of coverage from all the major media conglomerates when it happens. Earl Thomas's return to Seattle after flicking off the bench the last time he was on the field with those guys. Um, There's going to be some storylines there. And I really like the Seahawks team. I think that Pete Carroll is an outstanding coach, which is more important than the guys you have on your roster, except for quarterback. And they have the number one quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. I think Russell Wilson is an absolute stud and able to adapt game to game. It's going to be a slugfest. They were the number one rushing team attempt-wise, rushing split-wise last year, ahead of the Ravens over the 16-game course. The Ravens, of course, under Lamar were the number one heaviest, but over the 16 games. So it's going to be a power football on power football, two mobile quarterbacks. Um, The Seahawks' defense has taken a step back. How do you feel about their defensive unit? So... I think it's kind of a similar discussion to what we were having with the Steelers, where there's not a ton of name brand talent, but it's a team and a franchise that I trust to kind of figure it out. And even having said that, there is still some brand name and some young guys there that I do like. Bobby Wagner's a stud, best middle linebacker in the league. You got Shaquille Griffin there on the back end. They bring in some young guys like LJ Collier. And um, yeah, there, there are some names. There's not a ton to necessarily get excited about. I think they're going to be solid. But as far as how they match up with the Ravens, I think it's a pretty even match considering the Ravens talent, physicality and speed on offense. So so I think that's going to be a little bit of an even match. But uh, with the crowd noise, I guess you never know, right? 
Absolutely. Uh, I know, I've seen a little bit throughout the mini camp season that the Seahawks are planning on. I believe they did lead the NFL in uh, six offensive linemen, a.k.a. reporting in an eligible receiver uh, as eligible. And they love to trot out six guys. They have a Fetty, I believe, Jermaine Fetty, lined up at tight end a lot. And they're going to try and bust it up our butts and try and ram the Ravens down the throat. That's what they're going to try to do all year. They've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf out wide with a couple guys that saw some balls last year and David Brown uh, and Jerron Brown coming over from Arizona. I think that the Ravens can match up man for man extremely well with their offense. Um, and I think that the Seahawks defense, especially because of that cover three scheme, makes it kind of easy to transition in and have such a set scheme could probably suffocate the Ravens a little bit. Bobby Wagner is going to be up in Lamar's face. KJ Wright has been there forever. Um, I really love LJ Collier, their first round draft pick. And Jaron Reed might be the most underrated defensive lineman in the NFL. He's up there. He had a really outstanding season last year. So we'll see. Their secondary might be a little bit vulnerable. But as I said, with that cover three that they love to run, we should be able to kind of get the tape out. And then we have Earl Thomas, who I feel like after flipping them off is going to take the opposite of the Eric Weddle approach and want to stick it to them and give away all their secrets that he's aware of. So I think the Ravens are going to take an L here. Unfortunately, just traveling out West playing in Seattle, Russell Wilson's incredible at home. The 12th man is huge. Um, I think this is a tough one and this is kind of where the Ravens tend to meddle in the middle of the year in that October area that no, you know, early November area. Um, so we'll see. I don't think the Ravens come away with a W here. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And just to touch on their offense a little bit, it's another kind of situation where I don't or maybe I do kind of like the disparate pieces there, like David Moore, TK Metcalf, some of those guys. But, you know, I don't love Brian Schottenheimer as a play caller. And, you know, it is a young team, but I'm right there with you with Wilson. I think he's easily a top three quarterback, maybe more. And I think he is going to kind of prove to be the equalizer here as well as and I keep preaching this as we do these, but in games that I think are evenly matched on paper, like I think this one is. I think I usually tend to go home field advantage, and that's not going to be any more true than in this case. So I think a narrow loss in this game. Yeah, as a gambling man, I'm very rarely going to take any team traveling out west, especially playing the Seahawks, regardless of it's the Patriots or whoever. So if I'm putting money on it, Seahawks are coming away with a W here. Yep, I would say the same, and uh, Ravens to cover whatever the point spread is going to be, because I think the Seahawks are going to be favored in this one. I agree. Probably, I would say like a three and a half, four and a half point favorite. This is such early speculation. Injuries happen. Um, Seahawks aren't that deep, though. So if the injury bug bites them a little bit, especially across their offensive line, if a guy or two goes down, they're going to be uh, really hurting. Yep, no doubt. And I guess that wraps up that segment. And moving on to our next one, we have our NFC East preview. So we have done the NFC North, the NFC West. Now we're jumping across the country in three cases and down to the South in one case for some reason to preview the National Football Conference East. So starting things off, I'm going to go with my number one team here. I have the Philadelphia Eagles. I've got them coming back in a big time way, which is funny to say because they did win a playoff game last year. But I, by in saying that, I probably mean more Carson Wentz coming back. I think he's going to be fully healthy he's going to be motivated and also surrounded by a nice cast to sort of bounce back to his mvp level form i think uh with all the talent that they have there um on offense with the depth that they have on their d line and uh the cohesion that they have there with jim schwartz coaching their defense i like them a lot and i think they're going to be around 12 wins and one of the top two seeds in the nfc this year Whew. so you got the eagles going far okay i'm going cowboys number one 
If I had to pick in July, so I am picking in July, I'm taking the Cowboys to the Super Bowl as the NFC representative. Oh, baby. This roster is stacked. They can't even, they're having problems already. Zeke, I don't think, is going to pull Lev Bell. Uh, I think he wants to win and he wants to prove himself, and the guy just loves football too much. I don't see how the Cowboys don't win 10 games this year. They're stacked offensively. Um, Is Travis Frederick playing this year are you aware jake i think so i, yeah. I didn't read up i think he's, so. I, he's I don't know if he's, bar syndrome yeah i don't know if he's back all the way yet but i think the plan is that he will be on the field this year right and so i just think that their offense is looking great i think dak is underrated as a passer and as a quarterback with zeke in the lineup and with tyron smith healthy um they brought in randall cobb they've got some decent weapons for the first time in a while at the receiver position their offensive line is just of absolute great wall I love those guys. They brought in Connor McGovern as well in case they need to, you know, make some maneuvering with Travis Frederick if he's unable to recover. And then defensively, the Cowboys have probably a top three, top five unit. I mean, all around Antoine Woods, their defensive tackle was really good. They brought in Robert Quinn. Um, They have Taco Charlton behind him. They brought in Joe Jackson out of Miami. And that's not even mentioning Demarcus Lawrence, who might be the best uh, defensive end in football right now. Um, their safeties might be their weak point, but they have some great cornerback depth. And then they have the best middle linebacker group, the inside linebacker group in football with Sean Lee, Van Der Esch, and Jalen Smith. Those guys are outstanding. They're going to be able to get pass rush. They're going to be able to stop the run. And I think they're going to be formidable and formidable in pass coverage. So I think the Cowboys are looking like a serious contender this year. Yeah, I had them at number two. It was pretty close. Um, I think they're being slept on again a little bit. I think their defense was very legit last season and they're returning a very strong O-line. I think Zeke Elliott holding out is kind of probably what mainly concerns me right now, but I think ultimately they're going to figure that out, whether that's in training camp or at some point during the season. So I think if he does, he's going to bolster uh, Dak Prescott a little bit, who I think is an underrated player, not just as a passer, but he can run a little bit, kind of you know vary things up on the offense. So I think similar to last year, I've got them finishing around 10 and 11 wins, and I think they're going to be in the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, Plus, real quick, just last note on them. They drafted a guy, Tony Pollard, uh, out of Memphis, who was behind Daryl Henderson, who was amazing, drafted by the Rams. Tony Pollard is electric. So if there is a Zeke situation, I could see Tony Pollard coming in and being a real difference maker for them. My number two, I'm going to go with the Redskins. Wow. I don't know what it is. I just think that the Redskins have a very well-coached team. They got riddled with injuries last year about midseason. They were maybe, in my opinion, the toughest matchup in football at one point last year. Their defense was unbelievable. They brought in Montez Sweat, who I think is going to be defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Offensively, I think Dwayne Haskins has a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to end up starting probably week three, week four, if not to begin the year. They brought in some receiving options for him. They have uh, Darius Geis did catch a hamstring injury recently, but they've got AP, who was a top five or seven rusher in the NFL. I know he eclipsed a thousand yards. Then their front seven is just, whew, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Montez Sweat, Ryan Anderson. Those guys are going to eat this year. Ryan Kerrigan, I mean, I think that's a formidable group. They brought in Landon Collins as an enforcer. Uh, They drafted a guy, Jimmy Moreland, out of JMU, who's, I think, going to be an absolute steal for a a mid-major, or not a mid-major, a 1AA team guy. I just think the Redskins are going to be really strong this year. Vernon Davis, Jordan Reed, and Jay Gruden's on the hot seat probably more than any other coach in the NFL. He has been pit by the injury bug, but 
at some point you got to make the playoffs regardless. You can only make so many excuses. So I think they're able to tie it together this year and uh, maybe sneak into the wild card, be a nine and seven, 10 and 16. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, jumping ahead, I have them fourth, but you can make an argument that they're underrated in a lot of ways because Daniel Snyder is such a terrible owner that that's all people focus on. They've drafted very well. Jay Gruden's won a decent amount of games there, especially with all the injuries he's had to deal with over the last couple of years. Um, And I do like their direction a lot. So I like their direction way more than I do the Giants, but I think they have more work to do before they're ready to actually win. And their schedule's pretty rough. I don't really love analyzing the schedule like way ahead of time, but I think it's going to be difficult uh, for them early going, even with Haskins starting. So I think they're going to finish around four wins with Haskins showing some promise. And then jumping back to my three, I have the Giants. I'm not in love with what they've been doing at all, but... That being said, I think they've made enough additions where I think their floor is going to be five or six games. And I think fans can really only want to look for some good play from Daniel Jones to have hope for 2020. And that even that's going to be a rough ask. So I I do feel for them right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got the Eagles coming in third. I just think that they kind of are on a Super Bowl hangover period. A few guys have walked away. Um, They've been filling some holes. Their offensive line is one of the better ones in football for sure with Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, Jason Peters. They drafted Andre Dillard. Um, I do like Jordan Howard. I just don't see Carson Wentz being as effective as he was two years ago. I think that injury kind of messed him up. And if you look at his three-year career so far in the NFL, he's been all over the place, man. His rookie year showed some promise, had an MVP caliber season his second year. Then last year when he came back, kind of sporadic all over the place, a lot of turnover-worthy plays. He makes a big mess in the pocket. I'm not a huge Carson Wentz guy. Um, They got, what, Deshaun Jackson. They have Looking at their receiving core, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside they drafted. Um, I think that they're going to disappoint this year. I don't love their defense. I don't love their front seven. They've lost some guys. Uh, Derek Barnett is stepping into a major role this year. They did bring in Malik Jackson. Um, I could see an eight and eight, seven and nine season from them. I just don't love them. Their secondary, they didn't improve enough uh, last year. That was their Achilles heel. The same way I feel like it'll be for Pittsburgh this year. They're trotting out Jalen Mills again, who's okay. Ronald Darby, who's all right. Sidney Jones is riddled with injuries i love malcolm jenkins he is the only strong point for me in that group so i think that they're gonna have a difficult time and i don't love carson Wentz. so i've got them finishing third Mm, a lot of disagreement here well it happens man i mean we're projecting off a paper so far injuries are gonna happen and whatnot i'm just not a huge eagles guy going into this year yeah that's fair i probably am a little bit biased because i just love the way their organization is run i think it's kind of you talk about that Seahawks connection I think the Eagles are similar to the Ravens as well at least recently and what they've been doing so I like their direction and I, I like Wentz to bounce back but uh yeah looks like a pretty contentious uh little NFC East preview there but we'll see what happens um and I guess that wraps up our show for the most part before we get to our one big thought and then we get out of here so what do you got this week I am just pumped for training camp that's my one big thought it is football time baby training camps around the corner <laughs> Um, I was going to talk about Hollywood Brown. You already mentioned that that was your one big thought. So I'm going to stay away from that one. And I'm just excited that football is back. The grass is cut. We're ready to go. And I'm wishing great health upon the Ravens. I think that they've done a ton. I've already mentioned Steve Saunders before. And I think that if the Ravens can stay healthy throughout training camp and into the beginning of the season, they're going to get hot and ready to roll. Yep. I love it. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Hollywood. So 
kind of my big thought is don't stress the injuries too much uh, until we get a few weeks into camp. I think it seems weird that Hollywood isn't fully cleared yet, but my bet, like I said earlier, is that they're going to play it safe with him like they did or like they didn't do with Perryman and that whole debacle a few years back. So I'm expecting him to suit up for week one uh, and until it doesn't actually happen, that's going to be my thought. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. So as you love to point out, I am the number one social media workout guru of keeping eyes all over the NFL. Oh, yeah. Um, Hollywood two days ago. I'm going to do it one last time. This is my last one as training camp is. No, I love started. it. What, what was like the exact uh, timestamp on it? So the timestamp was midday on Tuesday, the day before the rookies reported for training camp. Hollywood was at the University of Oklahoma. I think in their practice field, there was a ton of Oklahoma stuff. I'm not sure if that's exactly where it was, but he was a man possessed in the gym and on the field, tearing around, tearing up the turf. It looked like he's trying to get that foot back to strength. He was doing a ton of uh, short range, explosive work, jumping over hurdles and doing some really quick, short, explosive movements. And I saw him about a month ago doing the same thing on the practice field, running routes, running a ton of drills. So as you mentioned earlier, I think they're trying to play it as safe as possible. They just had this situation with Hayden Hurst. They're familiar with the injury, the Liz Frank injury. Jimmy Smith's been riddled with it. Seems like the Ravens always have the same injury. They're going to take it slow, but I think he's going to fully heal. I believe he heard it in January. So by the time the, the season rolls around, it should be eight months in. If he's a little bit slow to, you know, get back into the mix of things, whatever. But I think by October, he's going to be rolling full speed, ready to go. Uh, he'll, pro- he'll definitely be around to start week one, I think, and get some snaps in. He might not be, you know, taking 75 snaps. Maybe he's only in for 20% of the Raven snaps or something as he's working back. But I think he's going to be really healthy. The other guys, I believe that starting, uh, you mentioned earlier, before we started the show, that Jalen Ferguson, Jalen Smith, and Dalen Mack, are currently at the Ravens facility participating mentally, but not physically. They're uh, inactive for now, but we've got a month and a half before football starts. I'm sure if they're not, you know, tearing ligaments and whatnot, they should be ready to go. And those guys are kind of complimentary pieces on the back end. I don't think Jalen Ferguson is an absolute necessity to play well this year. Jalen Smith's undrafted. And then Dalen Mack is behind some proven defensive tackle, defensive end guys, and Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams. Um, And I'm actually going to take a mulligan on mine really quickly. Jake can go back. So I'm going to take this from the top. I forgot what I wanted to say for my one big thought. Go for it. All right. So my one big thought for this week is that running back lives matter. Oh, God. I saw saw you on Twitter with this. Jeez, this is going to be a whole diatribe. I've been getting into it. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. If you have an all-purpose running back like Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey, one of those guys that can block, come out of the backfield, catch passes, split out wide, and knows what holes to hit that can get to the second level consistently, they are invaluable to your football team. It is extremely unfair to running backs that because they play the most violent position where they are a small battering ram ramming into defensive linemen and linebackers continuously that they have a shorter shelf life. So teams are unwilling to pay these guys, which I understand. Um, I went back and looked at running backs that have been drafted in the first three rounds over the last five years and about 70, 75 percent of them are playing at a high level somewhat. So if you draft a guy, that's fine. I understand. I think that the CBA needs to approach running backs draft contracts differently when they are drafted in the first three rounds. 
The counter argument to that might be that teams will say, okay, well, I'm not going to draft them high then. I'm just going to wait. But these guys come in, they get one rookie contract. For instance, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, by the end of his rookie contract, is going to have, what, 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 touches. So he's obviously going to wear down a little bit. Some guys, you know, the Adrian Petersons of the world don't wear down as quickly. But the CBA needs to address this. They need to have like a two-year contract with a third-year option or something because these guys are getting put in a really tough position that I think is incredibly unfair as opposed to other positions. They get absolutely destroyed. If you play running back, if you've ever played football, the running back is usually the best athlete on your entire football team or one of them and the guy who takes the most punishment. So to say that these guys don't deserve to get paid well at some point is blasphemous. I'm going to quote Stephen A. Smith. I think it's pure blasphemy. These guys are essential to winning. You can say what you want about running the ball, yada, yada. You need to run the ball effectively, establish the line of scrimmage, set up the passing game. Tom Brady does it. Terrible teams don't do it well. If you can do that well and you have a running back, say Melvin Gordon, who is already wearing down at this point, it seems like. He had an injury problem in college, but Zeke is in the same boat. They want to get paid. They want a good contract, and they deserve it. They get the most touches outside of the quarterback. They get hit the most. They hit other players the most. These guys need to get something a little bit more fair. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but... Uh... You remain one... <laughs> Hey, running back lives matter. I mean, yeah, you yeah. want, baby. Like, I don't, I don't even know, like, necessarily disagree with you, but I don't think you took like an entire breath in that, like, or like one breath in that entire rant. It gets me fired up, man. Running back lives matter. I'm gonna keep saying it until the end of time. Yeah, running backs are people too. Apparently, right? You should make a shirt. Oh, I will. I'm gonna get us started, baby. We're gonna have Todd Gurley representing. We're gonna have Lev Bell all the, the running back graveyard of big contracts that didn't work out. And I'm not saying give them a second contract, but whatever. Running back lives matter. No, I see your point that it's like they're great players. They should be getting great money, and you understand why they don't because it's a market inefficiency that there's just so much more supply than there is demand. But uh, yeah. It's so easy to draft them. If It seems like maybe, let's say, eight guys are drafted over the first three rounds. Five or six of them end up being an efficient, decent running back. Like Tevin Coleman is almost the worst case scenario. Like, and he's probably scored 25 touchdowns in his short career so far. And is a good receiver, like running backs are easy to draft. That's why something needs to be done. Yep. Supply is greater than demand. Maybe you could, uh, make it so that they're, I don't know, their balance on the scale is a little bit different as far as salary cap. So you can afford to pay them, do something, but yeah, I see what you're saying, but ultimately, I guess we don't need to belabor the point anymore. You you did like a 10-minute monologue on that, so uh, nice job. It's, it's more content for us. There we go, baby. I'm like Robin Williams in uh, Goodwill Hunting. I got like a seven-minute monologue. Yeah, exactly. Way to compare yourself to Robin Williams, one of the great actors of all time on a... Uh, you know rant about running backs but yeah i guess <laughs> i guess that wraps that up great job buddy um football is coming soon and we will see you guys soon uh what's your twitter handle just plug it real quick twitter you can catch me at ravens for dummies the number four dummies 
D-U-M-M-I-E-S. I promise you, if you don't agree with me, I'm still entertaining. I love to argue, love to throw some stats around. Get out there, baby. Yeah, it's great content. Mine is at Jacob underscore underscore Joseph. I'm working on changing that because it's kind of tough to plug. Um, but yeah, you can follow the podcast at Podcast Beatdown, all one word on Twitter. Follow Baltimore Beatdown on Instagram at what is it? Is it Be More Beatdown on Instagram? Let me check. It is, I believe it's just Baltimore Beatdown. Okay. It's Baltimore underscore Beatdown, posting some content. Um, we're going to get really fired up when the season starts posting tons of video content. Instagram is usually the easiest platform. I get it out on Twitter as well. So if you want to take a deep dive into some film breakdown and all that good stuff, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. And I promise you, you will be entertained throughout the week when you're looking for good Ravens content and not the typical cookie cutter fluff pieces. Yeah. And we do shoot out the uh, mailbag questions on the Instagram stories for the most part. So if you want to shoot any of those in, keep an eye on that because that's usually where we post them uh, like we did the first time and the one that we just did for today. So uh, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys later. We out. Peace. You see, oh, I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like running folks down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. Like, <laughs> you in the gutter. You yeah, I like you that. You in the gutter. I like that bump of grass. He like the trick. That boy like yeah. to get down. Like down and dirty. Down. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. Yeah. That's, 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 that's what I'm that's saying. My, that's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> 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 bang, 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 all day. <laughs> <laughs>